It demands that we tell sinners the whole truth. We will not go quietly into the night. Christian Cornerstone Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Cornerstone Podcast as we continue our series on the Gospel of John. Now, I'm actually really tickled. I mean, I have to admit, um, these, this entire process is quite awesome, to say the least. I don't really know how else to describe it. Um, I shared the past couple times that uh, uh, the past couple episodes is that each time one is done you know, over a various topic, it's by some miraculous event um it, it's done as a means or it's there's some sort of event that takes place uh that day or in the, i'm sorry not that day not necessarily that day sometimes even that week that can relate um last uh one of them that i remember offhand was uh there's one individual that was uh trying to claim that uh Christ or catholicism is christianity um, that's one that I remember. Let's uh, kind of scroll down. I don't even know what uh, we have here in the past. Um, there was another one last week. I had a gentleman share with me, doesn't the Bible say, judge not, and let he who is without sin cast the first stone? It does say that, but out of context, which again we discussed. Now, what's really awesome about this one here. As I said, I'm getting this all set up. Awesome. I think we're good. We are set up. We're set up on uh, Facebook. Uh, but what's really cool about this week is um, I do have a friend of mine in which I um, read with each night. We try to each night. Our schedules conflict, so we, you know, we try to get together, uh, open up our Bible, and read. So we were talking about that, and or she asked, we went over a specific chapter, which we'll get into, John chapter 5, and a question was raised, and they asked, well, does this mean that all these problems happen, uh, that, that do happen to us, is because of our own sin? Not necessarily. But, before we get into that, I do have a couple of announcements I want to give you here on this uh, very lovely Friday night. Um, I did finish my book. Uh, the book is called Desperation of Doctrinal Reformation, and it was kind of inspired by um, some past experiences at a false church I was once a part of, as well as motivated by a class I took um, for my degree, which essentially was, what does the world need most? Well, we need sound doctrine. That's one of the biggest things that the Christian community needs, or the world in, uh, in reference to teachings is we need sound doctrines so i wrote this book about it and it is done it is self-published unfortunately i was unable to come up with three thousand dollars to get a publisher uh to take care of this and market it and all that stuff so um but either way regardless it is out and i believe i'm actually going to be double checking this right now I believe I have it listed on the ChristianCornerstone.org website. And if you go to that, if you go to ChristianCornerstone.org, it's loading for me right now. There's a lot going on trying to access another website while I'm streaming. A lot of internet usage, a lot of bandwidth. Okay, so it is listed on the store page on the ChristianCornerstone.org website. You can check it out there. You can either buy a hard copy uh, for I think uh, about $13, $14, something like that. About $13.99 is what I'm seeing here. Uh, or you can buy an ebook as well. You can buy it directly on the website, or if you have an iPhone, you can go to the Apple ebook store and just look up Bill Ricksecker or even Desperation of Doctrinal Reformation and you can find it there. So uh, the book is out. I'm really excited about that. And as a little bit of an incentive, as we've talked about this in the past, there is a need. There is a need for individuals to help support this ministry, or what we could call this ministry project. See, one of the things uh, is needed is finances. There takes uh, it does take money for me to run this. I do have to make sure my equipment is up to date. 
um, and is functioning properly, as well as the broadcasting software used in order to make sure that we get these recordings uh, met and uh, streamed online properly. That does take some expenses. So your financial contribution by partnering up with this ministry project will help to offset those expenses as well as progress towards future goals. Uh, a couple goals in mind is to create a um, uh, to create a student portal or what I would say is an, an improved student portal because I'm already working on putting some classwork, um, some uh, classes on our website. I currently only have one right now and I'm working on the second one. The second one by far is really, really long. I'm telling you that much. Um, so there's a lot I've got to do on my end to make sure, uh, you know, we can get it all taken care of. Um, so anyways, uh, if you do not want to purchase a book, uh, for $15, $14, what do I have it set at, uh, $13.99. So $14. If you don't want to purchase a book for $14, you can get one for free. Now how you can get one for free is very easy. Instead of paying $14 for a book or any other book, by becoming a financial subscriber of a minimum of $5, which that's the, that's the minimum offer that's available, by becoming a financial subscriber through our Patreon page of $5 per month, you will receive a free copy of Desperation of Doctrinal Reformation. And we've even added some more incentives uh, on this. Uh, if that doesn't seem like enough to become a financial supporter and receive one book, well, on level two, for $10 per month, you can receive a copy of the latest publishing, which is, um, as of now, Desperation of Doctrinal Reformation. I'm currently working on book number two, which is over forgiveness. Um, so that will also be applied, um, be given out to subscribers uh, once the book is completed. And um, as well as a $20 limit, at, a, uh, at $10 you'll not only receive a, a copy of the latest publishing, but you'll also receive discounts on future publishings as well, or future resources, whatever it is that's provided uh, through this ministry. At $20 a month, uh, you'll get full access for every single book that is out there, that is published, and by, I'm, I'm making this perfectly clear, there's plenty more on the list. I already have um, two, uh, three, four, five. Holy cow, five books on the list. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, there's five other books. So that brings it up to six, seven, seven is what we have um, so far. Um, there's a lot to happen, and this can all be accomplished um, with your generous, um, a generous contribution to this ministry. So if you do enjoy these broadcasts and you, you'd like to see more, please do consider um, doing such. Uh, it will also help to progress uh, other elements. Uh, once you reach a goal, uh, I said $50, we'll get, a, we'll get an improved student portal. And at 100, I, th I think it was about $150 is the goal uh, per month would also open up the avenues to have a mobile app, um, not only for the student portal, so you can take classes straight off your phone, but also uh, for the podcasting as well. So those are options out there. And if that's something you'd like to be a part of, please do consider uh, partnering up. Now, getting into this, what are we at? We're about 10 minutes into this, and we're actually now, just now, getting into this episode. So getting into this, uh, we're going to be kind of focusing on John, John chapter 9, just a little bit. But before we get into that, there's a couple of other attributes or a couple other things that I want to share. As I shared in the beginning of this, one of the things that really is, is really amusing me is every single week there's some sort of life event that takes place that correlates to what we're going to be discussing in this week. Now this week's event... Not only was it a friend of mine asking, does it mean that when we sin or when we have bad things happen to us, it's because our sin or because of our sin? I'm going to say yes, and I'm also going to say no, and we'll get to that later. But the second event that took place here, this is kind of interesting. I got to find it. I do not have it. I do have it up. Awesome. I do have this up. Okay, so I found this out today at work. A, a co-worker uh, was on his lunch break, and he shared this. He says, hey, did you hear about this, or, or what's your thoughts on these, on, the, on these you know, bad things happening to Christians? I was like, you know, that's a load. That is a load. 
And we also have to, like, this claim, there's a New Zealand pastor in, uh, what's his name here? Uh, da, da, da. Destiny Church is the name of the church within New Zealand. The lead pastor, Brian Tamaki, was speaking in a week uh, speaking this week at Uckland when he said that Bible-believing Christians who tithe, look at that, that's, that's how you know it's prosperity, that's how you know he's after your money. The Bible-believing Christians, those who have been born-again believers, who have the Spirit of God, who have been regenerated by God and have become a new creation, and who also tithe, in other words, who give to the church. These are the people, according to his claim, these are the people who have the protection uh, or a protection policy against this coronavirus. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on this, but I do want to let you all know the coronavirus, yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a reason to be concerned. But I looked it up today because we're making such a big deal out of 11, 14 people who have died. And this is just America. I don't know how many, if at, if at all, had died um, in other countries, I am completely clueless to that. But in this country alone, we've got 11, uh, 14 people, I'm sorry, 14 with a new number today, um, 14 people who have died from this illness, from the coronavirus. Now, we are making such a huge deal over this, but the, here's the kicker. I, I read an article because I was a little curious how many people died last year. From the uh, from the flu, the, the common flu, the for not necessarily common, but the flu we get every single year. This past year alone, as I pull this up, I've got to double check here, uh, get this link. I want to make sure I'm giving you guys the uh, accurate numbers. Okay, so um, here we go. Here's the uh, Cliff Notes version. Uh, it says flu season is hitting the stride right now in the U.S. And uh, as far as CDC estimates, uh, the data that is released are that are at least 12,000 people have died from influenza between October 2019 and February 2020. 12,000 people have died from the flu in just a matter of a few months. Now, on top of that... It says here, the, how, so how do these numbers compare to the flu and the deaths of previous years? So far, it looks like 2000, or 2019 to 20 death tolls won't be as high as it was in 17 and 18. When 61,000 deaths were linked to the virus, however, it could also surpass 18 to 19 uh, at 34,000 related deaths. Overall, the CDC estimates 12,000 to 61,000 deaths annually since uh, 2010 can be blamed on the flu. Globally, the World Health Organization, otherwise known as WHO, the WHO, estimates that the flu kills, oh, here's some very good number, the flu. This is not the coronavirus, this is the flu. The flu kills 290,000 people up to 650,000 people each year. So we're all freaking out over 11 people dying, at least here in America, 11 people dying because of the coronavirus. But we do not take into account that there's a flu out there that we get every single year that, as we have here, an estimate of up to 650,000 people die per year. So this really debunks this whole coronavirus uh, concerns. I mean, it is, it is important that we are concerned about this, but I think it's getting out of hand. Anyways, this pastor himself, he says, if you are a Bible-believing Christian and you give money to the church, you are protected from this pandemic. And he quotes John, I'm sorry, not John, he quotes Psalm 91. We're not going to read that, but we'll get to that later. And he claims that Satan is the one controlling these plagues. Now, I do not have my water in front of me. I'm going to get thirsty. What's interesting about this is this is a load because now the question here is based on his claim, he's saying, okay, those who are not believers are going to be guilty or are going or because of their, their sins, they're going to, or possibly retract or contract, I'm sorry, contract, uh, this virus. Does that mean when we get sick, when bad things happen to us, does that mean that we um, have some sort of sin in our lives that needs to be brought to attention? I'm going to say yes, but I'm also going to say no. Now, but when I'm now before we get to the no, let's get to the yes because this is the piece where people are going to freak out about all these bad things happen. I have a couple people popping in my head that are um, have a lot of 
issues, and if they were to watch this, they'd be freaking out. They're like, okay, I'm in the hospital because of my sin. What's my sin? I'm losing my child because of my sin. What's my sin? My dad passed away because of my sin. What's my sin? And so on. It continues. That's not the case, but it is the case. And I know I'm going to kind of confuse you a little bit, but let's get to this point. Now, before, I, um, before we get to our focus uh, chapter, I want to actually turn over to John chapter 5. John chapter 9, ver, um, uh, sorry, John chapter 5, verse 14. This is an event where a gentleman was healed. He was paralyzed, um, and he was unable to walk up to these waters to be healed um, by the waters. They believe that it was the Spirit of God who comes, and if you, you know, stir in the waters, and if you can get to the water as it's being stirred, you will be healed. That was the mysticism that they believed. Um, in fact, it's actually been, it's actually believed that by scholars that, um, those who study the, the, the scripture, the original text, it's believed by them that that specific text um, of the idea of the water stirring was added later on by the scribes um, because there's really nothing else to support this. Uh, I think there's actually more details. You can do a little bit of study. We're not going to get to that. It's a little side note. Um, but anyways, this gentleman, it says here, starting in verse 5, there was a man who was, he was uh, invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying, he knew he'd already been there a long time. He says, do you want to be healed? I'm kind of summarizing this, giving you a cliff notes. Uh, it says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. And Jesus says, get up and take your bed and walk. Jesus heals this paralyzed man. He's been paralyzed for 38 years. He's not been able, unable to walk. And Jesus says, get up and walk. So this specific instance, you can kind of um, assume, or you can, you can get the idea that this is a sin um, that was caused. It does not say he was, uh, he, was, he was invalid or paralyzed for 38 years, that he was 38 years old and that he's been paralyzed since birth. It does not say that. What the scriptures do say is that he was, he was invalid for 38 years. Now I say that there was a sin behind this. Why? Let's say he gets up, he walks, and later on that day, this is before he even knew who it was that healed him, so he, he completely lost uh, sight of, oh my gosh, I mean, you got to think about this. If, if you're just now being healed, the first thing, you're not necessarily going to be thinking about who it was that healed you, but rather that you are healed. You're going to be so excited. All the people who you grew up with, your family, your friends, you're going to go running off to them say, hey, look, in your face, my legs work. So that's kind of what's going to be happening here. And later on, Jesus sees him at the temple. And it says here in verse 2, or let's start in verse 13. It says, Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. This is referring to uh, the event and when the time period of that day in which he was healed. Jesus withdrew. He was unable to say thank you before Jesus walked off. Now, in verse 14, he says, after Jesus found him in the temple, so Jesus is in the temple praying, uh, or not praying, Jesus is in the temple teaching, just as he, just as he does every, every other time he comes to the temple, he teaches, and he sees this man in which he healed earlier that day. And Jesus says, see, you are well. Now sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. I think Jesus was essentially making a point. He says, see, you know, you've repented of your sins, and he did. we do not have a recording that he says, have mercy on me. But Christ himself, he has the advantage. He knows the heart of the situation, and I'm personally convinced that the man, what you know, recognized his sin. Whether he knew it was sin that caused him to be paralyzed or not, that's a different story. But sometime in those 38 years, he's recognizing a sin that took place some time ago, years ago. And he's like, man, I really screwed up. I wish I could have taken this back. So he's repented in that time period. Jesus comes to heal him. And then Jesus makes the point. He says, look, you've been healed. You've been made well. Sin no more. And when Christ says sin no more, he says it quite a bit. He's talking about a lifestyle. Get out of this lifestyle of sin. Whatever the sin may be, get out of it. So that nothing worse may happen. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that Jesus Christ here, that nothing worse may happen, is talking about a spiritual uh, calamity, such as eternal punishment in hell. But he could also be alluding to the possibility that, he, that whatever sin caused him to be paralyzed, 
could come back and he could have something worse. He could be paralyzed. He could, you know, lose his voice. He could be dumb. He could even be killed. That's a possibility as well. But Jesus says, sin no more. Or in other words, don't go do this sin. You've been healed from your past sins. Now stop sinning so that nothing worse may happen to you. Again, this does go to suggest that this specific man had a sin in his life, which was the cause of his, we could say his suffering. I want to do a general term because it can be used anywhere. You know, uh, you, you have a loss of something, you lose your job, you lose your kid, um, you lose your friends, uh, whatever else that you can, you lose your health, you lose your finances, whatever you could possibly lose. If there's something that's happening, there is a possibility. There is a possibility that it is caused by sin. So, does that mean that when we do have calamities and sufferings and these emotional baggages, does that mean, or for an example, as uh, Brian Tamaki would say, that um, you know you have sinned or you know you have this disease because you have sinned and you have to deal with the sin in your life in order to be healed? We have people all over. Um, I don't know specific denominations. I've heard of people uh, in the Baptist, in the Pentecostal, in the Charismatic. Um, those are the ones I've personally heard of that have made such claims and even, uh, you know, some false churches as well. But does that mean that every sin that we commit or every calamity is of sin? No, we're going to get to the neutral place. And now getting into this, uh, Luke chapter 13, as I switch to this, this is also under discussion today, uh, from the gentleman that spoke to me, which is really cool. I, I admit that it was actually, uh, quite interesting to hear this. But John, what did I say? John, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 13. Here's what happens. And Luke, this is uh, in chapter, chapter 13, verse 1 through verse 5. It says, There was some present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans are worse, than other, are worse sinners than other Galileans because they suffered in this way? And he says, no, I tell you, unless you who repent, this is in, in reference to um, um, yeah, a tower uh, falling. Uh, you'll find this in other, other, um, other uh, what am I saying, other texts. Uh, but anyways, so do you think that these, um, the, that this tower falling here, do you think this is a calamity? Oh, here we go in verse four. It says, uh, um, no, I tell you, unless you repent... This is the condition, unless, this is, these are the words from Christ himself, unless you repent of your sins, unless you repent of your sins and seek the forgiveness of Christ, here's the kicker, you shall likewise perish. This is not just talking about a physical death, but this is also talking about a spiritual death. Very important for Jesus to make known. He makes it known quite a bit. He talks a lot about hell. And this is his warning, as we find in John three sixteen and seventeen. He has not come to he's not come to condemn the world, but to to save it. He's come to save the condemned. And there's a whole other you know a whole more uh, a lot more in which we could uh, discuss on this. Verse four, he says, or those eighteen whom the tower in if I'm pronouncing this right, Siloam fell and killed them. So he's talking about these, uh, he's, first he says, it's like, do you think that, that uh, some group of Galileans are worse sinners than other Galileans? He says, no. Or, or even this, here's another example. What about the 18 whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they are worse offenders than others who live in Jerusalem? Do you think their sins were worse than others? And Jesus says, no. I tell you, this is, a, again, this is twice in just five verses better yet let's you know just starting where the first one was this is the twice in three verses he says unless you repent you will likewise perish all of you this is what christ says he makes it perfectly clear so we get in we're getting into this and i'm kind of actually going a lot faster um but we we start off with this event in john chapter 5 with a man who was paralyzed and this man was paralyzed for 38 years. He's, he's, he's at the pool. He's wanting to be healed. And Jesus comes. He's like, you know, are you wanting to be healed? He's like, absolutely, but I can't. It's like, you know what? You don't need this water. I'm the living water. Get up. Go. Go home. He says, what are you talking about? Dude, you can walk. Get up. 
So he gets up and he goes home. Later on, he goes to the temple and Jesus says, you know, you see, you've been healed. Now, the sin that caused it, stop it. The sin that caused your families to reject you, stop it. The very sin that you claim that you were, you know, it's a lifestyle and that you want people to accept you as such, stop it. The sin that caused your friends to distrust you, stop it. The one that has made you sick, skinny, scrawny, lacking teeth, referring to drugs here, stop it. Get help. And the sin that causes you to, to, to look at things on your computer that you shouldn't be looking at, or your phone, we have phones nowadays, or your phone, or magazines, or uh, wherever else that you can get this, these things. The sin that, the, the, these looking at these perversions, looking at pornography, stop it. Whatever else that you can possibly think of, my friends. If that is causing you to lose certain things in your life, there is a possibility that it is your sin that is at fault. That's the reason. It is a sin that has went unanswered. It is a sin that you have not have desired not to address. It is a sin that you have accepted as a part of your lifestyle. This is just the way I am. Why can't you accept me for who I am? can't accept you because it's wrong I may love you but I do not like the lifestyle that you live in and then here the interesting piece here in chapter 13 of Luke 1 through 5 this kind of balances out Jesus is saying it's like is is one sin worse than another that calamity should happen to one and not another Jesus makes it perfectly clear they are equal he says, no, I tell you that unless you repent, you will all perish. Or again, those 18 that were in the, killed in the tower. Do you think, think they were worse offenders? No, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So there's equality. Our sin can bring calamities. Our sin can bring suffering. There's not one mean of some, uh, not one sin that may be over another that would cause us to have these sufferings the reality is we need to address these and as christ says we must repent or perish very important warning the most loving man that you could possibly find here on earth he warns and says you will be going to hell if you do not repent can Christians uh, make that claim these days? We discussed this last week. Yes, Christians can make that claim. We can get to the point where we say, if you continue in your lifestyle of sin, you will likewise perish and you will face eternal damnation. Can we make it as, as a claim of absolute saying, because of what you've done, you are going to hell? No, because the destination of hell is an absolute. It is a place of no forgiveness. Is it, a, is it, a, is, it is a place of no mercy. It is a place of no love. It is a place of vengeance. Of just punishment for our sins. Unless you repent, you too will likewise perish. Now this brings us to our text. This brings us to our text in uh, John chapter 9, as we can get into this. Uh, we spent a lot of time kind of as an introduction. We'll probably spend another week uh, on this chapter. There's quite a bit here. Um, I'd like to try to tackle a bit. I'll read ahead and see what we can come up with, and we'll continue on. In John chapter 2, I'm sorry, uh, 2, not 2, we're far from 2. In John chapter 9, 9 through 7 is our text for today. And in John chapter 9, uh, 1 through 7, Jesus heals a man who is born blind. And as he passed by, he saw a man uh, from birth, who was blind from birth. 
Uh, how, how old this gentleman was, we don't know. But we do know that since he was uh, born an infant, he was blind. He could not see. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned? See, and this comes by, this is the biggest question. Who has sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents that he was born blind? We already discussed two sides of the story. We've discussed that on one, one side, on one hand, we have our sin being the fault of our calamities, of our suffering, of our despair. And then we've also talked about how it balances out. That there is not one who is greater than another. And now we get to an interesting piece. We have a piece here in which Jesus answers. He says, it was not this man who sinned or his parents. What Jesus is saying here is this man is blind. Not because of his sin. He is blind. Not because of his parents' sin. And we can relate this to this gentleman, Brian Tamaki, clearly a false teacher. We can relate this. You do not get the coronavirus because you have sinned or because you are an unbeliever. That does not have anything to do with it. But he says that this man was not, it was not this man's individual sin as far as why he is blind, nor is it his parents but that the works of God may dis be displayed on him. And we must, work, uh, we must work the works of him who sent me, referring to the Father. We must do the works of the one who sent me, while it is still day, because night is coming, and no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud into saliva. And he anointed this man's eyes with mud. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Which means sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Now one of the things I just noticed, I thought is rather interesting here. Um, sent. Sent. The pool of the sent. Or the water of the scent. This is the pool of Siloam, much like the Tower of Siloam, in which we just discussed. Jesus is telling us, like, you, you remember that tower that fell down and killed 18 people? There's a pool over there. In fact, uh, I'm convinced the possibility that there may have been uh, the tower itself. Um, Okay, um, I'm reading here some commentary. So it says, let's read this. I'm going to read this and share it with you guys here. It says, the term Siloam in the Hebrew for scent. The pool of Siloam was southeast of the original city of David. Water flowed into it from the spring of Gahon, if I'm pronouncing that properly, into the Kidron Valley by way of Hezekiah's tunnel. It may be identified with the lower pool or old pool mentioned in Isaiah 22 verse 9. Uh, and verse 11. Water for, the, water for the watering pouring rites at the Feast of Booths or the tabernacle was drawn from this pool. So um, I don't know what this pool may have looked like and there's really no explanation at this specific point. I'll, I'll look into that. I'm curious myself what it may have looked like. But I'm convinced of the possibility that this tower might have been related. It was probably a tower that was designed, uh, not necessarily a tower, maybe even a scaffold of some sorts um, that was designed to, um, it had 18 people on it, all of them died, probably used to build this pool, uh, the aqueducts and such that would relate. That's my assumption. I don't really know for sure. But what's going on in here is, is these people knowing full well that sin could in fact be the cause of our calamities as we've already discussed. Um, you look in the Old Testament, I was meditating on this uh, today uh, while I was at work. Uh, I did not. I don't have any scripture references, but you have all sorts of calamities of judgments of of God opening up the opening up the ground and people falling in. The the sons of Korah, if I remember who it is specifically, uh, you've got the serpents 
who come and bite and poison and kill the people of Israel in the book of Numbers and many other judgments that God brings because the people have sinned. Does that mean all, all problems are because of sin? We find here in chapter 9 that Jesus, God in flesh, he clearly says it is not because this man has sinned or his parents. So this goes to say, tell us that really sin is not the number, er, sin is not the primary reason for these calamities. For the reason, uh, for, the, for example, you know, I'm single. I've, I've always often under, uh, often wondered, 30 years old, why God has not brought me a woman in my life. I've wondered if it might be uh, a sin that I have to deal with. I've wondered if it's just his way of saying, I want you to remain single. Because we know from Paul, we know from Paul that in his personal opinion, it is best to remain single because it gives you more time to focus on the word of God. That's a possibility. It's a possibility is my sin. It is a possibility that is for the glory of God. I don't know. I'm simply living my life for God the best way that I possibly can. Could it be, could the reasons for our, our failures be, um, there's other examples. I'm, 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 I don't want to spend too much time on that, but we find here that it is not necessarily sin. It is the glory of God that should be put on display. Jesus says, you know, he's making it clear, I, you know, from the beginning of time, I plan for this man to be blind. Why did I want him to be blind? So that I could walk up to him and I could spit on the ground and, and I could rub it on his eyes and I could tell him, go wash in the pool of Siloam and that you may see. That's the reason God made this man blind. So that I could perform the miracle and I can show compassion on him and you can all see that I am God in flesh. I am the Son of Man. Now one thing, I want to wrap this up here. I thought this was rather interesting. Let me see if I can't find it uh, real quick. Uh, you know what? Google's my best friend. Let me look this up here. Uh-huh. Okay, let me look up the verse in Acts chapter 3. Okay, and we're going to kind of, we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, we've actually made some uh, fairly good timing, I must say. Uh, Acts chapter 3, let's see here, um, verse 6. Okay, so uh, let's start in verse 5. Uh, and he fixed his attention. Or this is, um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Let's start in verse 2. No, verse 1. Okay, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, uh, which is called the beautiful gates, to ask for alms to those who are entering the temple. He's asking for money. And they, they lay him here. The question is, was it this man's sin? He was, what does it say here? He was, um, he was lame from birth. So he was paralyzed from birth. Whatever ailment he has that he can't walk, um, whatever was the cause of this, he's had it since birth. Same question comes into play. Was it this man's sin or was it his parents or was it one of his grandparents or somebody else within his family that caused him to uh, suffer like this? And again, a side note here, we can think of David and his adultery with Beersheba. Killing Uzziah, because of that, God disciplines him and he kills this child. That was the sin. The reason this calamity happened was, in fact, the sin of David. But in this case here, again, in Acts chapter 3, here we have them laying a man at the temple. He's paralyzed. And Peter directs to gaze at him. He looks at this gentleman. He's been lame since birth. How old was this man? We don't know. He could have been um, he could have been like uh, in his teenage years. He could have been in his 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it was. Whatever it is, the, that's not the matter. What the point is, he since his birth, all he's ever known was par was, was to be paralyzed. And Peter 
directs his gaze at him. He looks. He's going into the temple. Keep in mind, this is a temple. This is, uh, let's see, where this is at. We have a, a comment. I believe this will be in Jerusalem, if I uh, remember correctly. Um, just want to double check here. Uh, let's say it was Jerusalem. Flipping back here. Okay. Um, da -da -da -da. I'm not seeing a specific day or a specific time. Okay, the, the sermon at Pentecost, that was in Jerusalem. Um, I'm not seeing any sort of traveling away from Jerusalem. So I would presume they're at the temple in Jerusalem when this event is taking place. So with that being said, this is in Jerusalem. This is a place in which Christ himself went to constantly. He was, you know, as we've already discussed, he was there daily. And most likely, and this I believe uh, was the temple. There was one church for each village. So he was at this specific temple. And we see here in Acts, whom they laid daily at the gates of the temple. It's only been, I would say, you know, uh, about a month even probably even a couple days at best since Christ has ascended or since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. So within that same week, John, Peter, they're going into the temple to teach, to worship, the hour of prayer, and they see this lame man. This is, has to be a man they saw every single day. Every single time they were following Jesus and Jesus was walking into the temple, he clearly knew that there was this lame man asking for wealth, asking for money. Please, you know, just give me a few coins so that way I can have food. And throughout the entire three years of Jesus' ministry, Jesus ignores this man. Why does he ignore this man? But he heals others. The one he healed already that was blind, he healed to that the glory of God might be put on display. And likewise, I'm convinced that the reason he passed this man up, the reason he ignored this man was so that the, the divine authority given to the apostles could be on display through Peter and John. So that they could testify, we are of God. Now let us build this foundation. Let us build our faith around the Father. He says, uh, he looks to him and it says he directs his gaze at him and he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. So this paralyzed man was expecting to receive a few coins. But Peter responds, he's like, I don't have any silver or gold. But what I do have, I've got something even better. I've got the holy, the power. I've got the divine power of the Holy Spirit upon me. And this, these blessings in which this Spirit of God did in the three years that he taught, I give this to you as well. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong and leaping up he stood and he began to walk, entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Jesus left this man lame so that more people could see the glory of God put on display. So wrapping this up, does this have anything, you know, we, we've kind of concluded. There's a couple of things here. One, the reason for our calamities could in fact be because of our sins. Another reason could be that it's not. It could be that Christ wants to put his power, uh, his glory on display. And he wants it to be done through us. Does that mean that we will be healed? No. 
that does not. It could mean that our our simply our humility through these through these experiences of life that we see, that that people see is like you know you've got all these these negative things at you. You've got people who are calling you a false teacher. You got people who are calling you a heretic. You got people who are claiming that you're angry because you're un, and you're unloving for exposing these false teachings. Why can't you just welcome them into the community? You're 30 years old and single. You live alone. I'm using myself as an example if you haven't caught that hint just yet. You know, people at work like to make fun of you. How can you be so happy? It's like because I don't look at these mockeries as a means of tearing me down. I, I, I find humor in them. I join in on the laugh because... It's just all fun and games in the end, and I don't even take it to heart. He says, well, aren't you lonely because you're, you're 30 years old, almost 31, and you're not even married yet? You don't have any kids? It's like, my response is, this is a sincere response as well. I would absolutely love to find a woman to make my wife to have a family. But at the same time, I do understand the distractions that they could be when it comes to continuing the work of Christ. And I'm convinced that if it is to happen, it will happen in its proper time. But I'm also convinced that right now, because it's not happening, I have more time to study the Word of God and to share the Word of God, to be the minister I am called to be. Whatever else anybody can give as an example, which I, I obviously don't know. But we have to look at the brighter side. And when somebody sees that, when they see somebody like this, and be like, wow, you know, that's really powerful. It's like, you know, through all these, these struggles of, of various kinds, he still finds the good in it. Just like we should when, when you're paralyzed or you're, you're blind in one eye or you can't, you're deaf. Whatever it might be, it's like you can still use what you have for the glory of God. And I want to close up here. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. Romans. I don't know the verse offhand. Off, I, I know, the, know what it says, but I don't know the verse. So I want you guys to check it out, look it up if you can. All things, we know that all things come together and work together for the glory of God. He work, work, All things work together for the good of those who love Him. This is all. This is both the good and the bad. The things that happen in mankind's life, specifically, primarily, the believer. The things that happen, even the bad, the negativity stuff. The, the, these things that happen in the Christian's life. They can still be flipped around for the glory of God. You look at Job for an example. He had so much calamity, so much suffering. He lost his family. He lost his, lost his livestock. He lost everything. All he had was his breath. And even so, he had such diseases that he was outcast from the community. Sitting alone on a pile of ash. He had three friends. All of them said, well, clearly there's some sin that needs to be recognized. And Job in his self-righteousness says, no, I haven't sinned against God. That's not the reason. There's got to be something else. He's right. There is another reason. But his pride for his obedience to Christ or God, Christ didn't come on the scenes just yet. His obedience to God, that he, that he says, I'm, I'm so perfect, this couldn't be the reason. And he's right. The reason was so that the glory of God could be displayed through him. It was a bet. It was a display of the loyalty of Job. Satan said, I'm willing to bet if you take everything away from him, he'll curse you. And God says, you want to bet? Go ahead. Have your way with Job. Have your way with, not, not just him. Don't kill him. But you can do whatever you want to him. And his family, I'll let you do anything besides kill Job. And I'll prove to you that he is my child. 
and through this he was blessed a double portion. These sufferings that we have do not always happen. They do not always happen because of our sin, but it is possible. And this is something we need to recognize. I think I want to actually focus on that closing up. We need to focus on that. When calamities come, and I don't want you to, to focus on it as a means to say when calamities and sufferings come, that it is sin at the root of it. Don't focus on it like that. Focus on it as, as a means of evaluation. Okay, there's this thing I'm not too happy with that's going on in my life, but you know, I can use this in this way. Um, there's, I've lost some friends here. Why did this happen? I've lost money here. Whatever else that you can possibly think of, or I'm sick, ask yourself. Take advantage of it. And ask yourself, is there some sort of sin that is continuously involved in my life, such as a lifestyle sin, that I need to deal with? That I need to overcome? And use that to fight these temptations. Now, when you successfully overcome them, don't expect things to get better. I'm going to make that perfectly clear. Don't expect them to get better. But use it as a tool to continue in spiritual growth in your righteousness and your sanctification as a child of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for you tonight. Again, as we close up here, I want to give a reminder that if you do enjoy these broadcasts, please do consider becoming a financial subscriber. Um, this will open up at many, many avenues. As I said, a student portal. Uh, you know, for additional classes, additional finances, obviously for license equipment, help offset the current expenses, um, as well as uh, progressing further uh, growth as a ministry. Uh, and likewise, uh, please do consider subscribing to this as a means of following the Facebook, YouTube channel where this will be uploaded, um, and even uh, podcasts, you know, the audio formats on a variety of things, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and whatever else that you have out there, it is available. Uh, closing up, again, for those who may want to financially contribute uh, monthly, $5 per month, you'll get a free copy of Desperation of Doctrinal Reformation. Um, and future subscribers will receive the latest publishing. Uh, this obviously depends on when you begin subscribing. $10, you'll not only receive the latest publishing, but you'll also receive a discount coupon each month for um, the storefront on our website. And uh, then $20 per month, you know, free access to a variety of things. So with that being said, you know, please do consider this and share these with your friends. I hope you guys do enjoy this. And until next time, you guys have yourself a very wonderful weekend. God bless.